Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show, brought to you by FIVO. I am your host, Tracy Sandler. Thrilled to welcome back to the show one of my most favorite guests. So hopefully the other guests aren't listening today. But one of my most favorite guests, ESPN's Dan Graziano. Dan, welcome back. How are you? I'm great, Tracy. How are you doing? I'm good. Have you recovered from Vegas yet? I have. I have. I had a fine time. I know the game didn't turn out the way you wanted, but it was uh, it was a very enjoyable week. That's for sure. It was. It was a very enjoyable week, and the 49ers are less than two weeks away from having lost the Super Bowl, and this one was a particularly hard loss for San Francisco. I think we saw that, obviously, after the game, and then we saw it in, in locker clean-out and close-out with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, but the combine is upon us, and so they're moving forward, but, I mean, yes, it was about two weeks ago, but I would love a little bit kind of your overall thoughts on the Super Bowl and how it relates to the Combine because, yes, they were playing Patrick Mahomes and that is a tough task no matter who you are, but there were weaknesses that we saw with the 49ers in that game. So I'd love to kind of get just an overall view of what you thought and kind of how they move forward as they look towards the draft. Well, I'm sure everybody there would would say it falls into the excuse category, but I think, you know, Dre Greenlaw injuring his uh, Achilles as he's running on the field had an effect uh, on the second half of that game. When you watch what Travis Kelsey was able to do, what Patrick Mahomes was able to do with his legs uh, and how it changed as the game went along. I think that was a, that was a really horrendous break for the 49ers. There's nothing you can Mm -hmm. do about that. But um, I think in terms of overall, I mean, what, what did we see? Like it was a three point loss in overtime. Like it's hard to say, Oh, you know, here's what was wrong, right? <laughs> like right. A, bounce, a bounce, the ball doesn't bounce off a, of a guy's foot on a on a punt. Like maybe they win. So uh, I thought um, I thought they played a good game. I thought they managed the game well. I did not come out of there thinking anything negative about Brock Purdy. I, I think he I thought he played well. Um, yeah. You know, what if you could have done something differently? I mean, you know, we, we've I, I'm sure you've been through it all in terms of the overtime coin toss, but there's nobody I talk to who studies this stuff that says that's an obviously wrong decision. It just didn't work mm-hmm. out. Um, yeah, I think uh, maybe I might have gone for it on fourth down on that first overtime drive. <laughs> maybe that was the play if you were gonna if you were gonna uh, take the ball when you won the coin toss. But it's hard for me to pinpoint and say you know, this is what was wrong with the Niners. I thought they played an excellent game and lost to, you know, the Yankees. A hundred percent. And I'm really glad that you said that because at the end of the day, it's the Super Bowl. There are two teams left. One of them's going to have to win and one's going to have to lose. And in theory, they are the two best teams and both teams played an excellent game. And like you said, they lost the Yankees. And in those situations, my feeling is Patrick Mahomes is always going to win. And, you know, it's funny because had they not had they done something different in the overtime coin toss and it didn't work out, then the criticism would have been he should have done it the other way. If he went for it on fourth down and they didn't get the touchdown and yeah. then the Chiefs marched. I mean, like you yeah. you could go a million different ways, but they played an excellent excellent football game and they lost. And I agree with you on Brock Purdy. I'm very glad I don't have to I mean, I'm sure they'll still be the naysayers, but it will. it's great not to have to go through an offseason of the 49ers need a new quarterback because you Brock Purdy played a great football game. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, look, they, you know, the Chiefs had a very good defense. Like Chris Jones is a game wrecker. We've seen him close mm-hmm. out more than one Super Bowl. Uh, I, I mean, like, you know, the, the, the other the other side gets paid, too, is the old expression. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they, I, I thought the 40, I mean, 49ers, I, I know we're going to talk about the offseason and they have stuff to do. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't think there was anything deficient about their performance. I could not agree with you more. BetOnline continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to BetOnline today to become part of the team and remember to use promo code BELIEVE B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. The game starts here. So let's talk about the offseason. Let's start with someone in that game. I want to talk a little bit about Jawan Jennings, who is a restricted free agent, who has had kind of an up-and-down career with the 49ers. It's been up the last several years, but he gets drafted in the seventh round. He gets cut his rookie year. He... Hurt gets injured. He goes on the practice squad, and he's become a huge part of this offense. He has his nickname, Third and Jawan, but I almost think it's an unfair nickname, even though he embraces it, because he's so much more than Third and Jawan uh, in the blocking game, in the passing game, but he is a restricted free agent. This is a team that just paid Nick Bosa a lot of money. They have a lot of money invested in some of the very big guys on this team, and did that his Super Bowl performance? I mean, had they won, he very well could have been the Super Bowl MVP, especially because had they won, it probably would have meant he scored the game winning touchdown. You talk about Chris Jones, the, mm-hmm. the famous unblocked Chris Jones play. Did he price himself out of coming back to San Francisco? Well, they have the ability to tender him, right? Like that right. he's yes. a restricted free agent. And yes. so the first round tender probably come in in the six, six and a half million dollar range and the second round tender in like the four, four and a half million dollar range. And mm-hmm. those are certainly prices you could afford if this is a, a key receiver in your in your offense. I guess the question is how happy would the player be with that? Um, and would you have a problem if you do that and don't sign him? So uh, those are questions they have to get answered. But I think the other thing, uh, Tracy, is I think whatever the decision is on Brandon Ayuk has to inform right. the decision on Juwan Jennings, right? If if Ayuk yeah. is not going to be there, if they're not going to sign him and and he wants to trade, which is hypothetical, again, we've just seen this happen in other situations around the league with receivers. But if that played out that way and he's not on the team, I would think that makes bringing Jennings back even that much more important. So um, they should be able to get away with the lower of the two tenders, I would think, just because I mean, you know, if you give him the second round tender somebody wants to sign him, um, they have to give you a second round pick. And and the way this draft sets up at receiver, I don't know that, that anyone's going to be, be willing to do that. So uh, they should be able to keep him cheap. Oh, uh, again, the question is, do you then not have him happy? Right. Well, that's that's a, a good question. One thing about Juwan Jennings is he's always kind of happy. So oh, it's possible that that, that works in his favor. But since you brought up Brandon Ayuk, uh, we saw him after the Super Bowl. And this is something I, I tweeted was that because fans were kind of going, you know, crazy over some things that he said is it was a very emotional loss. And you kind of have to keep yes. that in mind when you're talking to a player less than 48 hours later. And he made a comment that he would stay if it was right. And someone said, what would it have to 
what it means for it to be right. And he said championship, which at the moment really didn't make a lot of sense. Like, I don't know if he's going to go to the Chiefs. I don't know. It didn't, it didn't make a ton of sense. But there's all this Brandon Ayuk talk. And we could see him demand a trade. We saw Debo Samuel do that a couple of years ago. Obviously, they kept him. But I do think at this point, I don't know that they have to make that decision yet. That could wait a year. It can, as long as he's okay with it, right? So, right. but that you can also, if you do the extension or trade him, uh, you you do you get your cap savings there, right? So his right. cap number, top of my head, is what fourteen ish. Uh, that, that's, that's the right. option price. So, um, extending him, you could knock that down to you know to probably something closer to four or five, and then uh, if you trade him, obviously you save all fourteen. So. That that depends on the extent to which they need cap room and how they want to go about getting it. Um, there are some places they 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 could get it in terms of cuts or contract restructures. I know, uh, you know, Trent Williams' cap number goes up big you know, to a big number. Mm-hmm. Debo Samuel goes up to a big number. So there's there's room to do that if they have an appetite for, you know, kicking the can down the road. Which, given the situation they're in, uh, which is very much you know win now window, I would think that that has. Uh, yeah. That has some appeal. Whenever I have these conversations, I'm so glad I'm not the GM of a football team. I'm yeah. glad that I get to, to talk about it and give suggestions and speculate, and then you don't let have to else. actually make the decision. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, someone else has to do it. Week. Yeah, <laughs> I can just report on it. Uh, so let's look at the combine next week. I would be remiss, and everybody would think there was something wrong with me if I didn't bring up that Michigan has a record number of players going to the combine, 18, <laughs> which really has kind of nothing to do with this discussion, except that I think the 49ers should use all of their draft picks on these Michigan players. But, you know, again, it's a good thing I'm not the GM. But as we look ahead to the draft, I think one one place, since you brought up Trent Williams, that the 49ers are going to need to shore up is on the offensive line and not because of Trent Williams, but eventually he's going to stop playing football. So they're going to need to start thinking in those terms. I guess if you were to point to something else in the Super Bowl, there was great pass protection in the first half for Brock Purdy. The Chiefs made some adjustments and some of them went some of that went down in the second half. And some of that, of course, is just football. But I think the offensive line is a place where they need to shore up. But when you look at the draft, what are kind of to you some of the needs that stand out for San Francisco? I think the line, obviously you're right. Uh, uh, everything to the right of Trent, you know, seems like it could be at least examined, if not, you know, mm-hmm. if not turned over. And and you know, there are there's cap savings to be had. If in the release of guys like Golden McKivitz and Jake Brendel, who, who you know, they don't have to be replaced, obviously, and, and that's not right. really easy to do of offensive line. But I mean, if you're drafting it uh, and you feel like you got guys that are ready to jump right in, those are positions where people have found instant starters in the draft uh, in recent years. So uh, I think, you know, the back end of the defense, right? I mean, if you're patching together with yeah. Sean Gibson and and, uh, and Logan Ryan, that tells me, you know, you're probably going to need some longer-term solutions back there. Right. Uh, I know Hufunga will, ideally will come back fine, right, from the injury. Yeah. Uh, another guy, by the way, that, that I think is an extension candidate. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think they could they could stand to get younger and, and, uh, and better, I guess, on the back end of the defense. Uh, and then, yeah, I think – you know, they went out and got Chase Young at the deadline. I, I don't think he played as well as they hoped he would um, or had the impact that they hoped he would. But, you know, do you bring him back? And if you don't, do you have to replace that position? Do you need to get, you know, stronger at the at the edge opposite Nick Bosa 
I think that's probably something every team's always looking to do. It's interesting with Chase Young because, you know, on the one hand, the feeling was unless they played incredibly well, in theory, he wouldn't come back because they couldn't afford him. I agree with you. I do not think he played as well as they hoped, which makes you wonder now maybe could they afford him? He actually had most of his impact in the Super Bowl, yeah. which I guess if you're going to pick a game to have an impact, right. that's the one to definitely do it. Uh, but that was where he had most of his impact. It's But it becomes an interesting conversation. Like, can they afford him because he didn't play as well as they hoped? But even if they can, do they want to bring him back because he didn't play as well as they hoped? Nick Bosa would really like to have Chase Young back. Yeah. How much of a factor does that make? Again, I'm glad I'm not the GM, but kind of what are your thoughts there? Well, it's a shame. I mean, this is against the salary cap rules, but Nick could could help. Like he has plenty of money. Uh, he could help pay Chase if he wanted to. But no, look, the um, <laughs> I, I think I think you have to figure out what the cost is versus what your other solutions are. Chase Young, 24 years old, you know, he's still thinking about a long term career, but he's also not coming off the best year, and he's had some injury issues in the past. And, and if he's realistic about a contract and let's say you can get him on a one year prove it deal and, mm-hmm. and, you know, put some void years in to spread the, the knock the cap hit down then maybe it makes some sense, but I think every, they have to assess uh, everything they're doing. I mean, you know, are they going to bring back Randy Gregory? Was he a helper? Is that, I mean, obviously he'd probably be a lot cheaper, you know, and then what else is out there on the market? Edge rush is not a place where guys are cheap. And where they come available very often. So I would think it's got to be, you know, along with offensive line, kind of front of mind as they prepare for the draft. But I, I think with Chase Young, I, I think that'll be that, that'll be one of those meetings that happens in Indy next week, right? The 49 right. John Lynch and Prague and, and Kyle will sit down with Chase Young's agents and talk about what it would take. And, and if it makes sense, I think they pursue it. And if it doesn't, they probably uh, look elsewhere. But yeah, I, I think that's. Um, I think the offensive line and then those two spots on the defense and, and Chase Young, obviously, is is part of that decision. I want to talk a little bit about the back end of the defense and then uh, talk a little bit about defensive coordinator, because that is a position that they, of course, also need to fill. Yeah. And by the time this podcast comes out, they may have filled it and announced it, but I think it's certainly <laughs> worth discussing. Uh, but I agree with you. It's offensive line, the line, and the back end of the defense. And the back end of the defense is is worth talking about because obviously we talked about the Drake Greenlaw injury. The Talanoa Hufunga injury earlier in the season was a huge impact on this team and made a big difference for this team. But essentially back there you have Traverius Ward and Diamador Lenore both playing at really, really high levels. But they've had a cornerback three problem all season. And as a result, of course, Diamador Lenore has had to move inside and outside. But yeah, in a perfect world, they find their nickel. And, and like you said, you want to get younger uh, in the secondary, not not including Hufunga. And I think, you know, we talked about Gibson and Logan, Logan Ryan. Jair Brown has a lot of potential in this defense. And when you get Hufunga back, maybe those issues kind of take care of themselves. But are there any corners in this draft, especially at the nickel position, that stand out to you? I mean, I have one in mind that will shock nobody, but that stand out to you that could be really good fits for this team. I'm guessing uh, you like a, a Michigan guy. That's my... That's uh, Mikey Sanristil, as long as you bring it up and ask. Fantastic player. <laughs> fantastic. Led the lead, led the country in making a play when needed. I don't oh, I don't yeah. actually have a stat on that, yeah, but... I remember one I, of them. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot of them, but yeah. <laughs> there's one that everybody got to see on a Monday night during the national right. championship. So, uh, yeah. but is there is there one that stands out to you that maybe didn't go to Michigan? 
Yeah. I mean, look, it's for me personally, um, just kind of getting going on the draft. So I think a lot of it is tied to the defensive coordinator decision too, and, and what kind of defense they want to play and which kind of cornerbacks um, fit in, in, in that defense. So like if it's the, would, would, and I'm just, these are just names, right? Like would, would Brandon Staley look for a different kind of cornerback than Rex Ryan? You know what I mean? Like that, that yeah. kind of thing. So I think uh, where do they do they need a nickel? Is there somebody that they that that is especially good at that? Do they need to find someone with size? So, yeah, I think uh, for me, unfortunately, I think if you ask me in a week or two, I might have a little better sense of of which teams are looking at which specific kind of guys. But uh, that right now, for me personally, uh, is a little bit outside of where my focus is. So let's talk defensive coordinator because obviously it did not work out with Steve Wilkes. And I talked about this on my podcast last week. I've been pretty vocal about it that I'm not sure how they won the Super Bowl. I'm not sure Steve Wilkes is their defensive coordinator uh, next season. I think there were issues from the beginning and it was pretty clear early on that this wasn't exactly a fit. So uh, they made a mistake. They tried somebody. It didn't work out. It happens in, in all kinds of businesses. And, you know, the foreigners have been so lucky with defensive coordinators under Kyle Shanahan, and they obviously don't always grow on trees to have somebody that's a perfect fit to come in. But now as you look to next season, who makes the most sense to you, I guess, internally and externally? Yeah. So, I mean, internally is what they've generally done up until Steve Wilkes, right? And I think there's Mm -hmm. a lot to be said for that because of the familiarity. And I think one of the issues that we, we heard about with Steve Wilkes was just sort of the lack of you know, just the inability to kind of see eye to eye on how things operated. You know, maybe his focus was too much on the back end because that's where his background is. And the front seven guys felt that and didn't love it. So I think internally is ideal, but unfortunately for the, and actually it's been fortunate too, in terms of amassing draft picks, but so many guys have kind of have left, right. (laughs) To go be head coaches elsewhere that they're, that I think they're, they're still catching up on the defensive side of the ball. and, And that's why they went out to get Steve Wilkes. So I think if they go outside, you do look for somebody who's got familiarity. Um, fortunately, Kyle Shanahan is part of a, a massive uh, coaching club that dominates the NFL right now, right? So anybody that's worked for him or for McVay or for Lafleur, you know, for Sala, you know, anybody would make sense. And I mean, the guy I did mention, Brandon Staley, and I don't know how realistic it is, but it seems like it would make a lot of sense just from a personal synergy point, right? Like they, I think you'd have a guy in there that that kind of thinks the way they want him to think just based on his background with other people who are in their circle. Um, he was an excellent defensive coordinator in LA, obviously not, um, not a very successful head coach uh, with chargers, but um, you know, I, I do think him getting back into the defensive coordinator mix, that might be a spot that makes some sense for a number of reasons. Yes, I would agree with that. And I think uh, my guest last week, Eric Branch, was saying, and he's right, that Kyle Shanahan would like to not worry about the defense. Right. He doesn't want to think about the defense. And I think under Steve Wilkes, he had to think a lot about the defense. Right. And, you don't want, like in week nine, to be saying to your defensive coordinator, hey, do you think maybe you should come out to the sideline instead of being in the box? Like you want to be yeah. hand in hand and lockstep with that guy. Uh, and you're right. Absolutely. Do- don't want to have to worry about it. I think Kyle would love to just sort of be able to give the defense to somebody the way he has in the past with some of those great coordinators that again, went on to be head coaches elsewhere. Since you brought up the Chargers, 
uh, well, of course, you brought the Chargers because we were talking about defensive coordinator and Brandon Staley. But they have a new coach, and this is totally off topic on the 49ers. Well, sort of, because their new coach used to coach the 49ers. What do you see from the Chargers this season? How quickly is Jim Harbaugh going to turn this thing around? Yeah, it's going to be tricky this year because they are really in bad in a bad spot in terms of their cap and, mm-hmm. and some of the decisions they're going to have to make on some of their veterans. So, I mean, Harbaugh's great at what he does. You know that very well. But I think the Chargers are probably a multiple. I mean, when he went to San Francisco, did, did they, I guess, did they win the first? They did win the first year he was there. They did. But maybe they were, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I can't go back and tell you what their salary cap situation was. I think the Chargers, it seems to me, are pretty are viewed as a team that's that's got some issues to sort out roster wise, and um, you know maybe they do, <laughs> maybe they draft well, maybe they bring in the right young guys, and, and they all mesh. Harbaugh obviously knows how to coach it, but my feeling on it, just you know from from this point, is you're probably looking at 2025 as kind of like the big Charger year under Harbaugh. I, I don't think it'll take long; it never does with him, but. Um, this year, they they might just have a little bit of trouble sort of getting the roster together. Well, when he came to San Francisco, yeah, he had a roster with – he had Alex Smith, he had Michael fame. Crabtree, yeah. Vernon Davis, Navarro Bowman, Patrick Will. I mean, this was a really good football team that just had been poorly coached. And right. I agree with you with the Chargers. It's going to be a little bit trickier. All right. Well, Dan – Indy is upon us in just a few days. Is there anything specific you're looking forward to next week, except, of course, getting to go to Prime with all your fellow media members? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the combine is the combine. Like people see the parts that people see on TV, you know, the guys doing the drills and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that that's neat. It's neat to get a handle on the draft a little bit and start talking about those guys. But to me, uh, Tracy, as you know, I, I mean, the point of the combine is everyone in the league is there. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's the it's the one time a year sometimes that you get have a face to face discussion with with sources that you're going to be calling all year. Like it's just kind mm-hmm. of a it's kind of the league's annual convention in a lot of ways. And and um, I always come out of it feeling better about how many phone numbers I have and, and the likelihood <laughs> of people to call me back. And all. so it's really just sort of the annual tradition. I, I, I do feel like it's it's kind of gotten to the point where. It's too close to the Super Bowl. Like I'd love to have had yeah. a little more rest, but I know nobody who's listening um, wants to hear that. So, yeah, I think it's. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to being there for the same reasons. I always am. Long hours, um, but uh, always productive. And and uh, I, I, as a reporter, it carries benefits throughout the whole year. Yes, it absolutely does. I think it is like the annual convention. It's a little bit, I feel like, our summer camp, too, in a, in a weird way. Coming off our other summer camp of the Super Bowl, you are right there. It's so close together now, uh, but that's that's just going to the way be the way it is for the future. Well, Dan, I really appreciate you coming back on today. Can you let everyone know where they can find you? Uh, well, I'm on, I mean, to the extent that I'm on X or Twitter anymore, it's Dan Graziano ESPN, same on Instagram and you know, I'm on NFL Live on Wednesdays and get up on Mondays and Fridays and, and um, you know, wherever else they need me. I had something on ESPN.com earlier this week that might be of interest. It's a, it's a piece um, sort of breaking down how the Chiefs and 49ers can keep their star players and their core together. Just kind of a cap and contract analysis in case people want to go read that. But, um, yeah, I'm, I try to be everywhere. 
Well, in light of our conversation today, I think everybody would definitely be interested in reading that. So you guys make sure to check that out. And if you like what you heard, and I know you did, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review. You can find me on Twitter X at TracyFGSN, on Instagram at Tracy Sandler. We are brought to you by FIVO. We are brought to you by Bet Online. And with that, we'll talk to everybody next time from Indianapolis. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.